FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 358 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snick, snick. I'm your host, Jason. I just love podcasting about Wogan, Venable, and I'm joined once again by a very special guest, John. Don't count your vertebrae before they're cracked, Wilson. Hey, John. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Ever since that one spinal tap I had, it's just been a, it's been a concern. <laughs> Very cool. So, we are, uh, this is a flashback episode, and, you know, it's hard to say in Hammer Time, but we're kind of starting off our countdown to issue 50, um, with a little bit of a dad bomb in this episode, as we'll kind of get into that. And, you know, to be fair, our, our countdown and journey to episode 50 is going to meander a lot, because we'll... <laughs> We'll cut in and out of the course of the solo series, and we're still, you know, nine issues away on that. But, you know, we have to go over to some X-Men stuff. We'll have to go over to some Infinity Gauntlet stuff. And there's a lot of other stuff we got to do before we get to 50. But as far as Hammer is concerned in the solo series, he's starting to, to pull his threads and get ready for what he's building towards in the 50th episode and kind yeah, of have- everything together. I have some notes on that. He definitely puts some ideas in your head to say, hey, this is a thing. We're going to be addressing this. Right. Yeah. So that's that's exciting. So tonight, John and I will cover uh, Wolverine 41, 42, and 43. And, of course, we'll do official plugs at the end. But, you know, if you're not listening to John's plethora of podcasts, you should be. Um, You want to kind of rattle those off real fast, then we can do, like, where to find them and stuff. You know, later. Yeah. Later. We've got Make Ours Marvel about Silver Age Marvel. We've got All the Pouches about early 90s image comics. And we've got Return to Cybertron about Transformers UK comics and cartoons. I'm looking forward to that one. That one uh, is coming up pretty soon, right? As a recording, it's getting ready to launch. I, I've got to set up all the, uh, the links and everything tomorrow. Awesome. I'm, uh, you know, other than the cartoon, which I'm very familiar with, the Transformer comics are a little bit of a regrettable blind spot for me so i'm really interested in hearing you talk about it. now i don't i don't want to go too far down this we got a lot to talk about too but um had you i remember you had told me before but i forgot so have other than this project had you read the comics before or is this a new experience i've read the entire u.s series before okay okay once and i was reading through the u.s and uk series uh well which is really just reading the UK series because it reprints all the US issues in between doing news stories. And I've read about two thirds of that run. So um, I've read a good chunk of Transformers. And honestly, I kind of feel like about the Transformers comics, the way I do about the GI Joe, and that is that the comics are the much better iteration of the franchise and the cartoons are the kiddie stuff. Right. Oh yeah. No, I, you know, in the in the world where I have much more free time and not little kids, I've always wanted to do a GI Joe comic podcast. It may someday, though, people will beat me to it by now. 
But um, well, surely you've shown <laughs> your child the cartoons. A little bit. He didn't really care for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, I never really watched G.I. Joe much as a kid either. either, either. I just read, I saw the Transformers. My G.I. Joe fandom actually is an offshoot of my Transformers fandom because those universes okay. intersect. So I started right. getting into G.I. Joe as like, when I was reading the comics, I knew I was going to be getting to G.I. Joe versus the Transformers. I was like, I, I'd like to know more about these characters. And I started reading the original series and really found myself loving it a lot more than I ever expected. And it's not that off topic because who wrote G.I. Joe, a real American hero for all 150, whatever issues. Larry Hama. Yep. Faux show. And we've talked about before, very similar kind of story tropes that he, he carries between his G.I. Joe and other Marvel works. So you definitely, you know, Hama when you read Hama. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and he, it looks like 114 of his G.I. Joe series was contemporary with our first issue for tonight. Oh, wow. Okay. Very cool. Well, speaking of our first issue tonight, we have Wolverine 41, A Secret Revealed, featuring Cable and Sabretooth. So, we will go through our little credits here, because this is down in the bottoms, written by Larry Hama, pencils by Mark Silvestri. Inks by Dan Green. Letters by Pat Brousseau. Colors by Glennis Oliver. And speaking of G.I. Joe, in the physical copy, the inside cover is an ad for the new G.I. Joe trading cards. Oh. So there's all kinds of synchronicity going on. So I've um, got the uh, Comixology digital collection, so I did not have any ads, much to my chagrin. Oh, do you get the pinups? Uh, yes, yes, there is a okay, pinup cool. at the end of 43 in this. And I think there might be some others, but I remember the one at 43 because I just saw that okay, today. Cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, on our cover by Silvestri and Green, we have a fight in the sewer. And Wolverine and Sabretooth are going at it in the sewer and crouching almost in a Sabretooth position in shadow on top of a pipe waiting for the Ninja Turtles to come is Cable. He's pulling a bit of a uh, Batman in Batman v Superman the very first time you see him. He's like <laughs> yeah. up in the corner of the room. He's kind of doing that. Um, it's a pretty fun cover. I mean, it's it's what it says on the tin. It's it's Sabretooth versus Wolverine. They're kind of going at it. Um, and Cable is, you know, international man of mystery. So, of course, he's in the shadows being mysterious right. with a big old gun. So, yeah, it, and, it's and exactly what you want it to be. moving out of the stream of water. He's like, you know what? I need a shower. Just go ahead and dump that right on my back. I'm going to sit right here. Oh, you're right. It's like, what are you talking about? Because like, oh. he's hitched up above it, but there's water dribbling down on his back. You're right. Yeah. He's like, like, this, you this, this is where the shot is. This is where the shot's going to stay. <laughs> right. All right. So if you remember from our last flashback, um, we had just met Albert and LCD. Um Wolverine, of course, becomes endeared to LCD. They have a fight on a stealth bomber and crash into the river. And that is where we're going to pick up. Now, is this and the this... one where she gets an upgrade and it's Albert and Plasma Screen? Instead were... of LCD? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a 1080 Di or P or whatever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. All right. So... <clears throat> this one's actually pretty meaty. Probably the meatiest of the three, I think. But we'll see yeah. how it goes. Um, so we catch up with Logan after his plane got shot down in the river. 
Forge and Jubilee dive in and check the wreckage, but only find Albert's body and a missing ejection seat from the plane. Uh, so they want to continue to search the area, but a really bad storm is coming. Turns out LCD had ejected them before the crash, but Logan is in terrible shape despite his healing factor, which we know is also a little bit fritzy at this point. Um, LCD drags him, seat and all, into a nearby sewer. She leaves him to find help. He wakes up, but uh, his hallucination, I'm sorry, but he's hallucinating and stumbles through the sewer looking for Sabretooth to avenge Silver Fox's murder on her, his birthday from Wolverine number 10. Um, Hannah level coincidence, LCD runs across the real Sabretooth's body in the sewer from the last time we saw him in New Mutants. Coincidence is reaching toxic levels. Coincidence is reaching toxic <laughs> levels. Yes. <laughs> But after uh, she steps on him, he wakes up and hears her talking about Quaz and Wogan, which is like a nice, energizing coffee for him. Meanwhile, Forge and Jubilee are not giving up, and Forge uses a payphone to call in some favors. Also, meanwhile, Mask is looking to save the Morlocks from flooding and begins redirecting sewer water. Wolverine and Sabretooth find each other in the sewer where Sabretooth drops a massive dad bomb. Logan is in disbelief about Sabretooth's paternal claims, but Sabretooth says the proof is in the blood pudding because they have the same type of powers. Um, of course, they have a wonderfully violent fight. LCD hears it, but bumps into Cable, who has returned to finish Sabretooth off from the last time they met. Well, he finds out Logan is also down there. It pinks his interest because they have a mysterious past. Wolverine and Sabretooth are interrupted by a flood of rats and gators escaping a flood of water. But everywhere they turn, Mask is unintentionally trapping them as he redirects the water. Cable and LCD hear them through a metal trap door. Um, To end, a fish bites Albert's wire shocking him back to life underwater. All right. Yeah, quite a lot going on here. Um, so when did um, when did Cable and Sabretooth fight? Because I know it was in New Mutants. Uh, and they broke Sabretooth's back. Yeah, I think it was New Mutants 89, if I'm remembering right. Okay. Because right in... Nine, no, because 90's Deadpool, right? 98 is the first Deadpool. Oh, okay. Well, shoot. Then maybe, I don't, I think it was 89. It may have been 92 or 90. Hold on. It's probably in my notes here. Let me see. Um, Return of Professor X, 275, 277, Mirror Island Saga, X Factor. Oh, maybe not. I'm doing a little bit of searching on my own here. Um, or is it an X-Factor? 91. It was 91. Or 91, okay. Okay, so 91, the series, the New Mutants series ended with 100, and we are currently in the void between the New Mutants and X-Force mm-hmm. when they were getting ready to relaunch it. So um, it's, you know, nine-plus months in the background, maybe not quite a year, <laughs> that he's been lying in the sewer with his broken back. <laughs> Yeah, 
and apparently eating gators from time to time. As they climb, as they slither by, I'm sure he just reaches out. And, you know, right. He's a gator getter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but some interesting, um, interesting stuff here. So, of course, you know, we have Forge and Jubilee underwater with no diving equipment and just kind of looking around and able to see things, um, which is fun. Um, I thought it was interesting because in the story right before this, Storm was all up in that business. So you think, you know, she would maybe before she leave, like, make sure the weather's okay for them to search. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, she's like, sorry, guys, got to go. Or maybe it was fine while she was there and she leaves and the weather's like, whew, she's gone. Ready to go. Let's go. (laughs) Um. Jubilee calls LCD a little toaster, you know, shades of Battlestar Galactica, (laughs) which uh, Lily and I have been watching recently. The, uh, the two thousands Battlestar Galactica series. Oh, nice. Yeah. You've seen that, right? Uh, not very much of it. I've seen some Mm -hmm. of it. Definitely worth a binge sometime. Yes. It's, it's one of those things that is on the list. <laughs> the the ever lengthening list. <laughs> yes, the list that, that never gets complete. <laughs> but um I really like the call back to Wolverine Ten. Um you know with the Silver Fox thing and uh there's even the, the picture of the birthday cake and Sabretooth like clawing at the icing and licking the icing. It's a really fun scene. And the scene where he, the panel where he wakes up is just fantastic. Um, like his face kind of halfway in the sewer water. Um, and he kind of growls and scowls when he's like, Wogan? Whoa. No, Logan! Logan! <laughs> it's like, it's oh, Sabretooth. Cool. Yes, yes. That, yeah. That's a pretty great, great panel. Um, I like how LCD was trying to give Logan chest compressions. And I'm like, can you do chest compressions on a rib cage that doesn't compress because it's metal? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, she is an Android, so if it was going to happen, I guess she can make it move, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it really works. Um, but yeah, we definitely get reminders of the silver Fox stuff and, and you know, it's like you were saying earlier, Larry Hama's building towards issue 50 and, Reminding the reader of these Silver Fox memories is not a coincidence. It's not just a subtle thing because it makes a cool story moment. It does make a cool story moment, but it's also part of an agenda. Yeah, for sure. Um, What do you think of Sylvester's mask? Um, Really ugly, but that's kind of (laughs) the way mask is always supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's like pus coming out of his eye. Um, I don't really know exactly what's going on there. Mask is currently the leader of the Morlocks. I mean, Storm is technically the leader of the Morlocks, but she's never home. Right. So Mask is leading the Morlocks. And so you kind of get like an unusual situation of Mask like being administrative and like taking care of leader business. Right. <laughs> usually when Mask is in a story, he's too busy being terrible. Right. And here he's actually doing his job. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> Yep. And then we get the dad bomb where Sabretooth is like, hey, I'm your ever loving daddy dearest. Yes. Which, you know, it's interesting because 
obviously Hammond has something he's trying to do here. And you know, we're gonna we'll we'll kinda wait and talk about how it unfolds as we unfold it. But it's definitely curious that you know, by now we, we're starting to have pretty regular meetings between Wolverine and Sabretooth and it does kind of come out of nowhere and it's really interesting that Sabretooth's like suddenly like I remember this. Let's do it. And so, see, you know, I, I'm going to disagree with you, and I can't remember specifics. Okay. But like, as I was reading through um, the Wolverine comics, you know, a, a year or two back, is kind of when I was in this era and the era before it. I remember noticing hints that he was the father because I'm if I if I know my my X Men behind the scenes history, that was Chris Claremont's intention. Right. Now, he originally created Sabretooth as a bruiser in an Iron Fist comic, but once he brought him over to the X-Men, my understanding is that he was going to have him revealed to be Wolverine's father. And so there are some subtle hints to that along the way. So my thought is that Hama is going to be like, bring the hints out in the open, acknowledge that aspect of, you know, fan theory, and then go a different direction. Right. Okay. That's how I read it. Yeah. That works. Um, either way, I love Sylvester's Sabretooth. Oh, so definitely good. want to point that out. Um, just so feral and wild, but not completely like distorted. Um, as some people, you know, tend to make him almost so monstrous he's lacking in kind of that finesse. But Sylvester kind of does both. It's like a really good mix. You, you uh, need you need a line. You need a, you need someone who's more than just a bruiser guy in a cat suit, right? But you don't want somebody who's so fairly bestial that he doesn't look like a person. You, right. you need to find somewhere in between. And yes, Alvestri does that really well here. Um, yeah. So, what else? Um, we got cable. Um. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit before we started recording. So so we remember that Cable, when he last met Wolverine, also in, in Issues and New Mutants, um, there was a hint that they had a past and an obvious discourse that they did not care for each other. And we kind of get more hints at that with no real resolution in this story. Um and so that's kind of where we just kind of leave off. The, the Cable definitely knows Wolverine. He doesn't care for Wolverine uh, to the to the point that he's even willing to smack around a little girl android to show his distaste for Wolverine. Um, I kind of like that Sylvester's Cable is definitely Sylvester doing Liefeld's Cable. <laughs> right. Um, that first page where LCD sees him, Cable is... Cable is a brick of right. clothing and pouches, right. which is you know, how K- how Liefeld always drew him. Yeah, and very different, you know, from like, because when Jim Lee drew Cable, he kind of just made him a Jim Lee guy. Right. Which, which he could argue, you know, in some ways was cooler, <laughs> maybe. But, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, different, different, so, uh, different, different, different tastes, right. But, um. But no, Sylvester definitely kind of apes with the extra like bands, and he's got all the pouches for you there. Pouches, um, yeah, D- you know the metal leg bands, the the bandolier around both the shoulders 
and the arm. I guess he's he's life outed out just by Silvestri, uh, mm. which is an interesting point. Um, and of course, Silvestri and Jim Lee would eventually go off together and do do uh, homage studios, right? But, um, but that's not that's not here yet. Not quite. No. No, it's 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 not too far off though. They so homage has done some stuff. They've already done that issue of Uncanny um, with Gambit and Wolverine. Um, so they're already probably thinking of themselves as an homage that, studio duo. Yeah, they did. They, well, at that point, it was Jim Lee, Portacio, and Scott Williams who were right. the homage kind of guys, and then Sylvester comes in a little bit later. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which. You've already talked about quite a bit on all the pouches. Yeah, just thinking because, you know, when, you, when I think homage, I think of the duo of Wildstorm and Top Cow. Like right. that to me is the, so I think, you know, that's Jim Lee and Sylvester, but Sylvester was not there at the beginning. It was Lee and Portacio and, and Williams. Yeah. Um, I think one thing I don't really know if it, goes in any particular place in the story but using this storm as like a backdrop of the whole story kind of reminds me of like a very moody like tv episode where like you have all this stuff going on but always in the back there's this really menacing like thunder and lightning and i really like the effect in the comic as well that it really worked yeah yeah i can see that it it would work well for an episode of a television show where that's not always the case as opposed to like a movie, unless your movie was about the storm or a, right. a, a suspense thriller or something. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a solid, I mean, it's not really an opening chapter because it's following directly on 39 and 40 with LCD and Albert. Right. But it is the opening of a, the six issues of biweekly publication that's going to be happening 41 through 46 that we're doing over the next couple of episodes. Right. Um, so it's, I have a note for this for later, but I might as well bring it up now because it already applies. It's an interesting narrative structure because 39 and 40 were about Albert and LCD. Mm-hmm. This story is about Wolverine and Sabretooth and, you know, with cable on the side. <laughs> right. Um, and yet Albert and LCD are still present and they're still in the background and they're still like, it's almost like they're supporting cast for all because the story is not about them, but they're still there and they're still doing stuff. So it, it's, and, and I think they come back into the spotlight again before walking away from the story, but it's just an interesting narrative structure to have, you know, stuff from a previous story, just kind of like cooking in the background of every issue, but it's not actually about them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. You know, one thing I want, I did want to mention before we move away from this issue too much is you know, we're still getting and building up to the idea of Wolverine not having memories or missing memories. Um, that still hasn't become like a real big talking point yet. Mm-hmm. So, so you do have the idea when he denies or doesn't believe that Sabretooth is his dad, you, know, you can't just fall back on, well, he just doesn't remember uh, there has to be something that either, you know, like let's say, let's say, presume that this story would go through and Sabretooth was his dad. For that to work and not knowing about the memory loss, you'd have to either say, well, Sabretooth so traumatized his son or 
checked out so early, then that's why Wolverine wouldn't would have plausible deniability. Yeah, um, you, you have to answer the question: Why doesn't he know whether or not Sabretooth is his dad? Right, right. Um, and you know that's all going to get answered. But at this point in the story, is is kind of a mystery, and it's kind of a cool mystery, I think. Um, it might be worth pointing out just just to confirm because it gets confirmed next issue when Sabretooth drops the dad bomb. He believes that right. that's what's going on. Right. So all of the all of the hints that may have been dropped earlier in the series or earlier in the narrative, they're from a pace of a place of honesty as far as the characters involved are concerned. Everyone thinks that this is what's going on, but Wolverine just doesn't believe it. And uh, we'll find out more about that as things go forward. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, any other notes particular to forty one? No, you mentioned the pinup, so there is a yeah. I, I do have a Mike Mignola pinup with Wolverine and Cable. Um, Mike Mignola has not started Hellboy yet. That's about three ish, uh, three years off for him, but he is doing lots of Marvel Comics presents covers. Um, the uh, not Marvel Comics presents the uh, the X Men Classic covers. Right. And then there's this one by a, Art T Bear. Yeah, uh, this Mignola pinup is pretty fantastic. Um, I mean, it's definitely macabre, as he tends to do, and definitely his own color work, which is always great. But I really love it. The uh, the T-Bear pinup is fine. <laughs> um, it's very of a 90s style, for sure. Um, I actually enjoy the kind of the fuzzy, vague saber tooth more than I do the Wolverine, I think. Um, yeah, Wolverine's mouth is doing weird things there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not in a fun way. Right. And you can tell um, the T-Bear is still kind of finding his pencil style. Um, you know, at this point, I haven't done mostly inks. Yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's, he's a pretty common Superman inker around this time. Yeah. And one of the better Liefeld inkers, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they make a... I feel like when Liefeld is most on, you kind of wonder how much of that was T-Bear. <laughs> but, but yeah. All right. Well, I think the art in this issue is fantastic. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's prime Silvestri, um, you know, all, all of his colors and green inks. You know, it's interesting because I, I was going to ask you, um, from your work on all the pouches, does Sylvester mostly ink himself, or does Green come? Because Green stays at Marvel, right? When Sylvester leaves, or does I, he go with him? I don't remember saying the name Dan Green a lot on my show, right? But I'm just kind of going over to pull up a Cyberforce issue just to see what's going on there, because um, I feel like you're right. I feel like he uh, he inks himself a lot. Um, here's Cyber Force and the Killer Instinct crossover, and um, Cyber Force with Wildcats. And we've got Scott Williams is inking him. Okay, all right, cool. Well, that makes sense because he joins the studio where Williams is. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I think Sylvester and Green make a great team, and I'd be curious to kind of get your thoughts as we move into the next two issues for different reasons uh, based on that. Um, the art here is fantastic, and the story is is dense and flavorful, and um, yeah, I just I really love this issue. What what would you like to give number forty one? 
Um, I feel pretty consistent about all three of these issues. Okay. Um, and we can give yours if you want. Okay. Then I'll I'll do forty one and forty two together. I'm gonna have a little bit different take on forty three. Okay. So. All right. Cool. Then right. I guess let's uh, move into forty two. All right. So the cover of issue forty two is like anxiety incarnate, which means it's just Tuesday for some of you listeners out there. Um, <laughs> But Cable is on a helicopter ladder above the city. Wolverine is hanging from Cable. Not from A Cable, but from capital C Cable. Um, and honestly, with all the orange and the coloring, I thought that was Sasquatch for a minute. But it it's, it's, does. <laughs> it is a, a very orange saber tooth hanging from Wolverine. And then LCD is hanging from him. And everyone is just hoping they don't die today. Like I said, it's anxiety day. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a very brightly lit city and yet the, the, the light fades up to the top where the sky is. So it's definitely nighttime. It's kind of hard to achieve. I think that brightly lit city at night thing, um, sometimes, but they've got it going on here and yeah, this, um, doesn't exactly happen in the comic this way, but I think it's a pretty cool cover. (laughs) Yeah. Is it weird that I kind of like the buildings more than I like the principal characters? (laughs) <laughs> the, the buildings look pretty good. I was looking at that, looking at that too. Um, but yeah, so this uh, this issue, let's see, was released in uh, in late May, May twenty eighth of nineteen ninety one. So um, I am just about to turn twelve. Um, in fact, I'm going to turn 12 around 43's release because that's two weeks later, which is right at my birthday. Okay. So um, this one's called Papa Was a Rolling Stone. It's Larry Hama on script, Mark Silvestri on breakdowns with Dan Green doing the finishes and Pat Brosso <laughs> on the lettering. And Glennis Oliver on coloring, Bob Harris is editing, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. All right, so the sewer chamber where Wolverine and Sabretooth are fighting is now full of water. There is a locked door, and on the other side, LCD is trying to get Cable to blast the lock and free Logan, but Cable, A, doesn't want to drown when all the water comes out, and B, doesn't really care if Logan dies. Um, But since LCD is dead, she can take off her head and recite Shakespearean (laughs) quotations. And uh, by taking off her head and throwing it at Cable's head and then attacking his shin, the little girl overpowers Cable and her torso grabs his gun and blasts the lock. The torrent of water carries all four of our characters down the flume of the sewers like the log ride at Six Flags, only without (laughs) the fake log to sit in and a lot more poop in the water. As they approach an exit Maybe point, marginally more poop in the water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe you've had more Six Flags experiences than I've had. <laughs> um, when they say we had a shitty day at Six Flags, they weren't kidding. <laughs> so there, um, the 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 flume goes all the way down to a grate, which raises up as they're approaching it at an exit point, and it catches them all and all the garbage that is being swept with them. So they're being pummeled against the grate by water and garbage. It looks like they're going to die. So they scream. 
And up above, Forge and Jubilee are walking by, and they hear the screams, and Forge says, eh, it's just the Morlocks dying. No big deal. Let's get an orange drink at Mr. Frosty's. So they go to get an orange drink at Mr. Frosty's while the Morlocks are not dying because Mosk tells them that all the water, or they report to Mosk, rather, that all the water has been rerouted, except for in one spot of the sewers, Grate 23, which does not have a self-cleaning mechanism. So Mosk is like, okay, gotta go over to the switches and turn it on manually. This means that giant chompers start mashing the trash right where our (laughs) friends are. So now it's a whole new game of Dodge the Death. (laughs) LCD tells Logan that she can throw her torso into the machinery and the explosives that are built into her body. Remember two issues ago, her last flashback, the whole thing with LCD is she is a walking sack of explosives with a cute little face and a weird baby accent. Okay. So she's going to basically throw her body into the machinery, uh, the gears that are both controlling the gate and the chompers and blow it all up. Wolverine tells her no, but he actually can't stop her because he's too busy getting pummeled. So she does. She throws her body into the gears, which go kablooey, and our fur friends are once again free. The sewer tunnels poop them out, literally, into the East River. And hey, look, there's a shield helicopter right there. Because Forge said he was going to call some friends, and here they are. Nick Fury takes them all on board, and they sedate Sabretooth. While they're flying, some medics on board give them all tetanus boosters because, you know, poop water, and draw blood to test for contagions from all of that sewage. Logan holds LCD's head in his hands, and she tells him she's only on auxiliary power. She's going to crash soon, and when that happens, she's going to lose all her memory. She's no longer going to be the person that she is right now. And Logan is rather sad about this. So Sabretooth wakes up. This is making me sick. So he attacks Wolverine. LCD bites his neck. The two of them topple out together on the helicopter. Logan almost jumps after them to save LCD, but Fury holds him back. One of the medics wonders, who was that guy? And Logan says, it was his father. And Yoda says, your father, he is. (laughs) Actually, no. Ancestry.com has a rep with S.H.I.E.L.D. And they say that both blood samples from Wolverine and and Sabretooth, they had a lot of unusual traits, but they aren't related. The DNA doesn't match. Fury says Sabretooth does think that he's Logan's father, but he's not. But sorry, I can't say anymore because it's all super ultra hush hush and I'm the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, that's how things are with me. (laughs) Meanwhile, in the river below, Sabretooth is about to crush LCD's head when he is clawed through the back. Albert, the Wolverine android, has rescued or the Wolverine cyborg, I guess, has rescued LCD, takes her head hooks her up to his power supply like that one scene in Alita Battle Angel and saves her life. Did you see Battle Angel Alita? I did not. That is, is worth Is it good? Seeing. Yeah, it okay. is definitely worth seeing. It's a pretty great story. Um, made, made out of a pretty great manga, but I do recommend the movie if you don't want to read the manga. Alright, cool. Um, so yeah. Where do you want to start with this one? Well, we should start with the first page because I love it. Um, it's such a great page. Um, Wolverine and Sabretooth both look great. Um, I don't know if the uh, 
the Silvestri breakdowns and green finishes are going to carry strongly through the whole issue, but they start off really strong. Um, just a really nice image, nice color work of them underwater, uh, great details on the bricks and stuff. It just it looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all the stuff in the sewer is pretty great. Um, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> Cable, I like Cable. He's a, he, he just has no frogs to give with all of this. <laughs> He's just like, you know what? I don't care if Wolverine dies and LC is not having it. And she uh, she goes to town on both him and then later on Sabretooth. And it's pretty yeah. amazing. I'm not sure exactly how her head gets mobility. But, you know, maybe she has little <laughs> rockets in her neck. I don't know. I didn't build any android cyborg girls today, so. Right. Yeah, I love I love her head flying around, and she she's literally an ankle biter as she bites uh, <laughs> his, uh, his boot, his big fat blue boot. Um, that's the whole, that whole sequence is just fantastic. Um, it, the head. Uh, you quoted the line earlier, don't count your vertebrae before they're cracked. <laughs> that was just cute. Also, yeah. um, LCD, now where's that nice Mr. Woke? There he is. Whoa, get him <laughs> over here. Very cute. It is. So you mentioned it and kind of kind of poked fun at it. As a big Jubilee fan, and, and you know, I like Forge too. It really kind of bothers me that they hear the Morlocks and don't do jack about it. Um, it seems a little maybe out of character. I know they're on a mission, right? They're trying to find and help Wolverine. But it seems like in the very least, Forge would be like, hey, let's at least like, you know, give Storm a call and let her know her Morlocks are drowning. Um, instead of, ah, it's just Morlocks. <laughs> it's just Morlocks. It's, I, I'm less surprised that Forge says it and more surprised that Jubilee is, doesn't argue or that we're not shown Jubilee arguing. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's a nice segue because he goes, they must be drowning like rats down there. And then a Morlock goes, Mass, we're going to be drowning like rats down here. <laughs> like, well, that's some nice humor, but it just really makes... Forge and Jubilee just seem like I don't we don't have a sympathetic empathetic bone in our body um, but also haven't the Morlocks ever been rained on before I mean why is this so bizarre for them? <laughs> they've been down there for what 75 years or something something like that right um, maybe it doesn't rain in New York very much I don't, I don't really know New York's weather that a whole lot eh, oh, it it's off and on, I would assume, like everyone. Yeah, no, no I'm kidding. It's <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's by the coast, so. Um, I was definitely getting Star Wars trash compactor vibes. I was too. I wanted to go C3PO when you were doing your synopsis. Um, but yeah, I guess it was just 3PO in that scene. Sorry. No, no, shut them all down. Oh, I couldn't save them. Drat this mechanical body of mine. <laughs> I do love how attached Logan is to LCD and how neither Cable nor Saber... Well, Cable doesn't get it, and Sabretooth's disgusted by it. I mean, it's just a really fun dynamic between the four of them. He... And I don't even know if we ever get any, like, backstory secret of why this is such a thing for him, but he 
is really good at forming non-creepy vibes with young <laughs> girls. Right. He does it with Kitty. He does it with Jubilee. And those are young women. Those are the kind of young women that normally if they're palling around with an older guy, you would be worried about them. Right. But it never plays that way. Never once is Logan creepy with a young girl. And so whenever he latches onto LCD like like a father, it's it's in keeping with what we've seen of him before. And it's rather touching. Yeah. No, I, I – I enjoy that relationship quite a bit, way more than I thought I would or remembered. You know, yeah. I think I've mentioned to you before that my my childhood impersonations of LCD were that she was annoying AF, but I actually find her quite charming this time around. That's um, exactly how my experience went. My first time through this story, I mean, after a while, I started to soften, but at first I was like, oh my gosh. And one thing is that, I tend to really hate baby talk in comics. Exactly. Yes. Having read a bunch of Superman, every time Super Baby shows up, I'm like, oh, oh. sweet, <laughs> sweet Rao, shoot me now. Because um, I hate it. I, it's, I don't I hate Super Baby. And the stories are sometimes okay. It's just the baby talk. Oh, my gosh. So I was kind of turned off by that. But after a while, it's just like you really have to fall in love with her. And yeah. I was posting, I don't know if you saw some of the images I posted, but it's just like, she's, she's so amazing. Yeah. And keeps taking that head on and off. Um, and the way, and I mean, the way she sacrifices her body, not knowing what's going to happen from that. I mean, for all she knows, she could just be a disincorporated head the rest of her enjoyed life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but she, her love for Logan is that she doesn't mind making the sacrifice. And it, even when well, she talks about losing her ox, ox of willowy power, she's like, it's okay because I met you and I made a friend. And, you know, that's how I kind of realized I was alive and like a, a person, so to speak, is because of our relationship. Um, so it's just all very, very touching. Um, and that's, you know, so in theory, at least, she knew that would happen when she when she threw her body into the machinery. Possibly, you know, she didn't yeah. she didn't say anything about it, but she knew at the time that was that was gonna be a death sentence for herself. Yeah, very true. Um <laughs> the idea that they can tranquilize Sabretooth is pretty humorous. Um <laughs> those funny shield guys. Um but it leads to another great fight scene. That all the fighting in this is pretty good. Uh Sabretooth and Cable getting a rematch is fun. You know, Wolverine to Sabretooth, LCD continuing to just chop on everybody is great. Um, I think, unfortunately, around the time of the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicopter rescue is, for me, when the art starts to really loosen up a little bit. I don't know if they ran out of of time or... But um, I love that when Albert stabs Sabretooth, we get our snicked instead of our snicked, which keeps in consistency of his claw sound um well this might this might be why um sylvester is only credited with what is it was it breakdowns or breakdowns yeah Yeah, so he might not be penciling as much for the last act of the story and so we're getting more of a dan green artwork than a sylvester artwork with his inks um but there's that one part on the page where the the helicopter shows up page 14 um where it's like 
what does what does Forge say? She says he says something. Um, <laughs> I've done a lot of favors for Shield over the years, Jube. I thought it was time for a payback, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you have. Remember, remember that time you made a gun that would suck a mutant's powers out. <laughs> remember how it got used on Storm. Remember that Forge? You sure yeah. have done a lot for Shield. Good job, big buddy. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Nick Fury's like, it'd better be Wolverine. I'd hate to think there are two guys in the world as ugly as that. <laughs> um, and Sabretooth, okay, you know when you're like watching a movie and you're at the emotional part and you're, or maybe you're listening to that song that always hits you right in your core and you're like, you're you're welling up and maybe you're even letting the tears fall a bit. And then someone starts making fun of it or telling jokes, and it's just like it kills the vibes. The vibes are murdered. That's what happens when Sabretooth wakes up here and is like, all oh, this sweetness is putting me into sugar shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's definitely the uh, Debbie Downer of the group. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but man, he's uh he's just rough and nasty like usual. Uh Hammer and Sylvester and Green really, really get Sabretooth pretty nice. Um, and the idea, you know, so what do you think of, because Fury and Logan, we've established they have a history. They've they even had a couple of stories together, um, like the Scorpio connection and stuff like that. What do you think of, of Fury not budging at all on giving Logan any information, you know, in light of their past kind of adventures together like it doesn't earn him one piece of data what do do you think of that um it's a it's a it's a good point to bring out uh because they do have a relationship but i kind of feel like their relationship is kind of grudging like there's there's no point here that has fury in immediate debt to logan right or and actually he's it's the reverse he's coming and pulling logan's fat out of the fire so I think whenever Fury is in a position of power, he likes to maintain that power. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where if he doesn't feel like he owes you, he doesn't <laughs> owe you. Um, sure. But, you know, with, with that point being made between them about how, you know, Sabretooth thinks he's his dad, but he's not really his dad, and there's more going on, but it's all hush-hush. Again, that's just Hama cooking those ideas. Right, right, definitely. Definitely. Um, and, of course, there, there's, he offers him a cigar <laughs> as as a condolence. Um, but, yeah, no, another... Another great comic, I think. Um, I think I'm going to join you in rating 41 and 42 separately because I realize that 43 is actually a bit of a departure from this. So, yeah, um, a bit. yeah, yeah, I'm going to give 41 and 42 a rating that's separate from 43. Okay, so what would you like to do? Um, I'm going to do five out of six uh, okay. cyborg girls, not that kind, <laughs> um, because it's. There's there's so much good stuff going here. There's great action with Sabretooth and Logan. There's, you know, fleshing out the narrative and the mythos with Sabretooth and Logan and Fury and the whole dad thing. Uh, there's bringing Cable in, and he's just cool right now. Cable is the king of cool in comics right now, and bringing him into the story is just kind of neat. But honestly, LCD 
<laughs> for a little cyborg girl who's never probably going to be brought into continuity again after this arc is over. <laughs> you know, she really does tug at the heartstrings and she really is endearing. Her little journey, her little like, you know, Lieutenant Commander Data journey to humanity is just really endearing. Um, so I, I, I don't think I'm going to give it the full six. Um, but it's a really strong five. Okay. Well, I am going to go ahead and go six on these, even though I know I said, I felt like the art faltered a little bit at the end of 42. It's not enough to pull me out of the story at all. Um, I think like critically, I know they're not perfect, but I just enjoyed them too much. Um, and sign Pat's probably mad because he says I always overrate everything. But um, <laughs> so Pat, you have to let me know if you disagree with me. But um, so he says your ratings are overrated. Yeah, my ratings are overrated. I always go too high. <laughs> but um, but yeah, six. You'll be happy on my forty-three then. But um, but for these six out of six claws for both of these two, um, I just I really enjoyed it. And I didn't want to mention um, I meant to to bring this up at the front. So forty-one is we're getting back to stuff I've read before. Um, so uh, when I originally collected, you know, I, I remember I told you lovely listeners, I kind of dropped off um, in the early 20s, I think. And 41 is when I picked back up collecting Wolverine and collected through like 53 or so. Um, and then... At that point, I started kind of getting out of comics in general for a little bit. Um, but 41 was when I picked back into collecting Wolverine. So I, I um, you know, all the, the Sabretooth stuff and leading up to 50, I have very fond memories of. But uh, really just love these issues a lot. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go, go full six on them. Sounds good. All right, so 43, is like you said, it's a little bit of a departure. Um, same credits, except for the coloring, is now Steve Buccioletto. Um And it's amazing how much you can tell a difference. Like, right. I don't really think about colorists that much, like, really. Uh, no, no, no offense to colorists out there. It's just not one of the – I'm not an art person to begin with. Um, but just having these right back next to each other, it's like having two inkers next to – I may not be able to identify an inker. But if I have two inkers next to each other, I'm like, okay, I can see differences. Right. Same here with the colors. Yeah. Um, we do have this, I think, amazing cover. Um, you know, speaking of colors, we have this like almost, almost like, uh, how would you describe this? Almost like the the crystals from the Fortress of Solitude is a rain shower. Um, oh wow! Yeah. And then in the foreground, all in reddish tones, we have a hunched-over Wolverine in his 90s torn-up clothes, then a crazy guy with a butcher knife behind him about to try to stab down on the back of his head. Um, I really, really love this cover a lot. Uh, What do you think of the cover? With the, the sort of blocky shape to Wolverine's features and the heavy, deep red and the demonic-looking guy behind him, this felt like a Hellboy cover. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's really effective. It definitely makes you want to see what's going on. Um, it's it's a pretty simple composition, but it comes off working really well. Yeah. All right. So, 
in this issue. Logan is understandably pissed off at Fury for withholding info on Sabretooth, so he gets out at Times Square. Albert and LCD's head terrorize Mask and the Morlocks for a power source. Logan goes to see his cousin Wolverine in Central Park Zoo. Here he meets Salinas, the sadistic zoo cleaner who tortures animals. Except he's not the Night Watchman. He's in the mobile trash can. Linus is a killer. Logan doesn't kill him. He just lets the Wolverine loose to maul him. In the epilogue, we have Lady Deathstrike comes to Manhattan, and Sabretooth crawls out of the sewer, and we have a nice pinup by Sylvester. Oh, was that Lady Deathstrike at the end? Yeah. I had my names mixed up. That's Yuriko, not Yukio. Okay. Yes. I thought yeah. it was Yukio like like the thief. And I was like, wow, this is a really interesting move for her. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, from the Miller and Claremont series. Yeah, who Gal pals around with Storm. Yeah. Um, at, at least Gal pals Yeah, they totally did it offhand. I'm just, <laughs> you know, just going to put that out there. Um, okay, so... Yeah, so if you remember... Um, what story was it? Um... It was when he, he ended up crawling. The guy with the spider tattoo on his face. Anyway. Yeah, um, Black Spider. Yeah. And uh, so Deathstrike's been trying to find Wolverine ever since he escaped the Outback. Uh, and um, this is just her hot on the trail. Uh, she's traced him. She's always like a step behind him until okay. a couple issues from now. If which, I remember, his name was Daikamo. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Japanese for black for for big spider. Um, okay, so yeah, it's a pretty simple narrative. Um, it's kind of creepy with the the night watchman guy looking like he's herder or the murderer, <laughs> and um, you know we've got a Wolverine. And I I just watched the Wolverine a couple nights ago and did a co- podcast recording for Make Ours Marvel last night, um, and so. In that movie, the uh, one of the some of the Japanese characters call Logan Kuzuri, which is Japanese for Wolverine. So whenever he shows up, whenever the little Wolverine shows up, like, oh, it's little Kuzuri. <laughs> it, it, it was super cute. Um, but yeah, I think possibly the best parts of this issue were LCD and Albert harassing the the uh, the Morlocks, right? Which is like three pages. Um, What's also funny is that last issue, Nick Fury says, here, have a cigar. And in this issue, Logan's like, I'm just going to take the cigar out of your mouth because you've already got it going real good for me. I'm just going to smoke that one. But I bet you right. I bet you, he does still have the other cigar in oh, yeah. his pocket yeah. for later. For later, yeah. And he gets a lab coat from one of the scientists. Actually, he's offered a lab coat from one of the scientists. Um we well, he demands some... the first. Like somebody's got a shirt or pants I can put on. <laughs> yeah. Then he uh, he scares a uh, a hooker. Um, As you do. Yeah. And then we get some foreshadowing on the billboard with the uh, the wolfy beast in chains, um, which I did not immediately place what that is. Um, we will find out next episode or next time we get together who that is. Oh, what is that? I guess we've I already. Ask. And we've already talked about it, but I did not realize that from this billboard. Um, but it's going to all come together real nice. Um, 
Now I'm all curious. <laughs> well, feel free to look ahead. But um, yeah. So Albert and LCD, I love them. Uh, Masters, like, well, yeah, anything you want there, big fella. <laughs> um, and then we have the the off kind of departure uh, to Central Park, um, which, by the way, looks amazing. Um, it's a great scene. Um, I love how he he kind of jumps through the park. He goes to the zoo. Um, you know, meets the Wolverine, sees the blood. And we we meet Linus um, and 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 Wolverine like you know hunting and being part of nature and protecting some injured animal that is such a classic Wolverine uh, story beat and yeah. here it is just instead of in the pure wilderness it's in the zoo but it's the same thing yeah and then Linus stabs him through the hand and is obviously a little upset so he pulls out the gun and I love like the off panel of the Wolverine light like, snarling. Um, again, kind of cinematic. And then that page of the gun and the tigers and, the, you know, you can def- you mentioned, you can definitely tell a difference in the colors, but some of the washed out color really works. Um, I felt like, um, it's then- an interesting panel layout. Cause you know, I heard somebody, what, what podcast is I listening to? Um, I think it was 12 Minutes to Midnight, the uh, the Watchmen podcast they've got going on over Earth2.net. Uh, they were talking about how you can have a single image, but there's a panel divide splitting the image up into separate parts. And yeah. so even though it's a single image, the separate panels shows the passage of time. So even though it's just like a half second, you've got one panel, he's pulling the trigger. Next panel, the hammer's coming back. And so it's just like those those... You know, it's 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 an it's an neat little aspect of comic book storytelling that is hard to pull off in other media. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, I also like the difference in how Wolverine uses claws to beat guns, because uh, in the previous issue, he slices Cable's gun in three pieces, mm-hmm. so, he, so he can't shoot LCD. And here. He sticks his claw in the barrel of the gun and makes it backfire and blow up. Yeah, which, okay, I get the adamantium <laughs> is strong, right? right? Right. But is his arm strong enough to absorb the momentum of the bullet being fired? Like, that's oh. still a large amount of force right. being channeled right down his arm. He doesn't even have his elbow bent. Yeah. Well, that's he's a badass. <laughs> well, he is, and I guess the the bones aren't going to crack or anything because they're they're metal. Right. So I guess it's just going to be metal clacking up against metal, and it's all there. So never mind. I guess it works. <laughs> yeah. Then we get a, a snick as he cuts the Wolverine loose, and Linus is like, "Ay!" He runs into the night, and Wolverine's like, "All right, well, <laughs> good luck there, buddy." Yeah. Not my favorite, Linus. I'm much more partial to the uh, the boy with the blanket. Yeah, me too. Me too. Unless they're the same person. Whoa. Mind right. blown. <laughs> I guess Charlie Brown should have barely gone out to him with the pumpkin patch, right? Right. Yeah. If he had just gone out to the pumpkin patch with Linus, things would have been so much better. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pursue that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> that analogy, or whatever you call it, illusion any further. <laughs> uh, 
Charlie Brown and the Millerverse. That's what you got right there. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did like a fan art of Charlie Brown as like, you know, this older middle-aged guy in yellow. And he's got this like, you know, pack hound next to him. And he's loading down with, with guns. And it's like a post-apocalyptic landscape. And it's like Charlie Brown, Hunter at Large or something. I don't know. It was just like Charlie Brown and Snoopy as the ones to survive the apocalypse. And, like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know what, though? I would totally be here for that if that's what somebody did. Right. But, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's kind of it's kind of just a little thing. And I did figure out who that, that creature was. So we have talked about him before. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. And Lady Deathstrike is just kind of there. Is she even going to be in next issue? Well, so we get a little bit of a lie. So we get to be continued in two weeks. It's really four weeks because 44 is a complete sidebar. Um, oh, is it is like a, a fill-in or something? Yep, it is. And then the story picks back up in 45. Um, so we get a little bit of a, a little bit of a misleading uh, caption box here. But um, yeah, actually, I don't know if you if you remember, but um, there's a scene. So that scene of Wolverine when he's running through the park and he stops on that rock with a moon behind him. Yes. And there's a whole like press pause there, and he has a flashback between page ten and eleven, and that's going to be issue forty-four. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just a bit of greenery in the middle of the city but Central Park is a jungle in its own way folks with a keen survival instinct stay away from it at night they're afraid of the things that go running through the underbrush and howl at the moon they don't understand the need to run free run free that reminds me of the time I ran free <laughs> in issue 44 yes oh, oh, something else is up and about in the early morning something out there howling back at me something in torment Torment, doom, 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 oh, doom. Man. No, it's bong, 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 bong. Oh, Sorry. Oh, right, right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. was very various and sundry references there. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, uh, well, that's interesting. It's a little bit disappointing to know ahead of to know that it's going to happen, but you know, it is what it is. You're getting these issues out two every two weeks on a summer schedule and. Sometimes that plan just doesn't quite work out. We can already see in the art. I mean, Sylvester is not cranking these issues out. He's doing less and less right. of the art in each right. of them. So I guess 44, they're like, okay, you know what? <sighs> Tell Mark he can have another two weeks to catch up. That's right. fine. Well, we've got this <laughs> filling issue we can do. Yep. So what do you think of the, uh, the pinup at the end? Um, Sylvester and Dan Green. It's, it's interesting. It's like, I feel like it's kind of emotional. Yeah. He, he's been through some sort of ringer. His costume's in shreds, and his face is in his hands. Like, like did somebody he tried to save just die, and he couldn't stop it? Because underneath all of that adamantium coating, Logan is a little ball of butter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely very, very distressed. Like... Like you get a sense of mourning from that panel. And the fact that there's no background really helps. Yeah. Um, it is an isolated just despair. I actually quite enjoy it. Um, 
So this issue I did not overall enjoy as much. Um, there's nothing inherently wrong with the Linus story. It just seems like, okay, that's what we're going to do now. Like in the middle of what we're doing, we're going to do like a creepy guy in a zoo. I don't know. It just didn't really seem to flow very well to me. Um, like I said, it wasn't necessarily bad. It just, it was a weird kind of sidebar, a weird tangent. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that definitely affected my enjoyment a little bit. So, I don't know, any other notes or comments on this issue from your side? No, that's basically where I was too. They, um, it's It's a departure from the main story, and so... I mean, for several reasons. We're leaving behind Sabretooth. We're leaving behind Cable. We're leaving behind LCD. Well, we're not really leaving behind LCD. She's still in this one, but she's no longer the focus of the story. Um, But we're not moving on to anything else that feels significant. Um, We're not even having a downtime issue. Wolverine is still out there doing stuff. He's just now having to deal with a guy in a zoo. Um, So it's... I think we're going from a very strong five, almost a six... To a very weak four, almost a three. I went ahead and went to three. Um, I can probably, if you were very passionate, you can probably talk me up to a four. <laughs> but, yeah. but but three is definitely my starting point, I think, um, on this one. I, you know, it's hard because it's not, it's not a bad issue. It just, I don't know. Yeah, there's I'm nothing gonna... inherently bad about it. It just feels weak. After what we were just doing. Yeah. And it's not super interesting, I don't think. I mean, no, no. it's just a guy in a zoo who's killing people. And, okay, Wolverine lets another Wolverine chase after him. And we don't even really get the satisfaction of, like, his comeuppance. Like, we assume he gets mauled by the Wolverine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and not not that I need him, like, eviscerated and his entrails hanging out. But, <laughs> um Oh, it's just there's something a little bit unsatisfying about him running off into the distance and and the Wolverine running after him. Um, I was happy at the reveal that it wasn't really the Night Watchman because the idea that there's this guy right. keeping the zoo who's like actually preying on the animals was not a happy story development for me. Right. Uh, so to find out he'd actually replaced the Night Watchman, it was stalking separately. Um, I was glad of that turn. I don't know. There were just enough cute moments or enough nice little moments. That's why I gave it a four. But it, like yeah. I said, it's a week four. All right. Fair enough. All right. Cool. Well, I think um, I think that's about all I have to say. <laughs> yep. We've got um, we've got our one off, and then I guess forty five and forty six to do Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. And that'll be the end of our, our six-issue summer run. Yeah, and then we'll, uh, we'll go some other directions, and then we'll we'll come back as we start moving even closer to issue 50. Yes, I'm just looking ahead according to chronologyproject.com to see what their um, Wolverine goes to 47 before he starts doing other stuff. But, of course, you follow whatever order you have. Well, yeah, so I, I've been going by the uh, the Marvel comic. Marvel uh, reading? Yeah. Yeah, and in that one... Oh, you're coming up on the X-Men relaunch. Well, eventually. It's quite a ways away, too. So so after our 46, and we, we take a, a sideways into the Nick Fury series. Okay. 
And then the Spider-Man Wendigo story. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And then a Nick Fury graphic novel, which is the second part of the Wolverine Nick Fury trilogy. Then Infinity Gauntlet. Then Hearts of Darkness. Then uh, She-Hulk story. And then back to Marvel Comics Presents. And all of that is before we start getting back to Wolverine 50 or X-Men number one. <laughs> so there's there's quite a bit of uh, ground to cover skirting yeah, around. That's going to be working for a while on this on this search. Yeah, right. <laughs> she is having a bad week. Right. It take, yeah, it takes her a long time to find out. You know, maybe, maybe she dies in the Infinity Gauntlet story, so she won't care for a while. Then she'll get unsnapped and come back to life. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Okay. Well, you've got some interesting stories coming up. Um, I'm a very big fan of that Wendigo story and Spider-Man. Well, uh, of course, I would Infinity love Gauntlet to have is... you on if you want to. Well, shoot. I'll come on. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Twist my arm. All right. Ah, I was kidding, dude. That was uh, so I mean, rough. It, it's McFarlane. What, what are you going to do, right? You can... Right? That, and to it's, me, it's that... McFarlane was super bubble butt Wolverine. Yeah, he has the bubbliest butt in that series. <laughs> well, to my mind, that arc is the highlight of his, um, the McFarlane series of Spider-Man. Interesting. Okay. The the sixteen issues or whatever he did of that yeah. of that comic, the the Wolverine Wendigo series uh, run is is the highlight of that series. Very cool. I remember liking it. I'm I'm curious to see because I haven't read it. I don't think since it came out. So I'm I'm really curious to see how it how it floats on me catching back up to it. Because I probably, found probably, oh go ahead. It's probably a little bit overwrought. It's probably a little bit unsubtle, but right. <laughs> I feel like it's got some really great. And that's I think it's the earliest Wolverine comic story that I ever read. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, that makes sense, right? A similar similar path is my first. Wolverine was from Punisher War Journal because I was a huge Punisher fan and you were a big Spider-Man fan so it would make right. sense and this would and I jumped in like right after that Spider-Man series got started I was able to get the torment chapters in the back issue bins yeah get, I got like a 17th reprint of issue one <laughs> and um then I just you know got the other issues and read through that but I think it was around six or seven on the stands when I started collecting um, and then this is what, like around eight or nine, right? I want to say it's eight. I want to say it's issue eight, but I could be, I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're perceptions. Is that what it's called? Perceptions. Yeah. The hobgoblin one is two parts and that's after lizard. Yeah. And that's, that's six and seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this is eight, I, eight through 12 is a perception story. Six was definitely one that I bought off the stands because I remember waiting after the boy reveals that he has gone to Hobgoblin's side and like his face is partially scarred. Uh huh. I remember having to wait to find out what happened next after that. And that was one of my first experiences with comics. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That, uh, man, McFarlane's Hobgoblin is. That really fits his style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his lizard too. Dude, because I had those first 20 Ditko issues. So, like, my lizard was issue six Steve Ditko lizard. <laughs> and then I get Torment, and I'm like, oh my god. That's why and the difference between, like, 60s Godzilla and, like, the newer ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is not uh, a man in a suit. No, right? <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, as always, John, thank you so much for coming on. And um, we listed your podcast earlier, but why don't you tell people where they can actually find them all? Okay. We've got, um, let's see, Make Ours Marvel is at makeoursmarvel.com or any good podcatcher. Uh, That is where Michael Kaiser and I get together every Friday and talk about Silver Age Marvel Comics. We started at the Fantastic Four number one, and we're just going in the order that they were published. Uh, We uh, are currently getting ready to record our discussion of the Avengers lineup change in issue 16. Nice. So we have made quite some progress. I feel like the Avengers 16 is is a major milestone. It is. And the book starts to get a little more interesting, I think. I know people love the classic original lineup, but I think from a 60s standpoint, the, the Avengers book picks up when it changes. Yeah. Um, and, of course, that's when Scarlet Witch comes on the book, and uh, I I love her. Yeah, and in fact, you even have a tweet blog about her. Um, then we've got all the pouches and Image Comics podcast, which has uh, the Image Comics from the 1990s. Again, starting at the beginning, Young Blood number one. I've been making my way through those. Uh, I'm currently at the beginning of 1994, so the Max has about six issues under his belt. The Killer Instinct crossover between Wildcats and Cyberforce. Um, Savage Dragon's first big arc has come to an end and oh my god I don't know how much Savage Dragon you've read but issue 7 is a killer literally literally yeah I remember that one Um, I've read about I think when I dropped out of comics it was on and that's a series I never really went back to I would like to someday just the fact that it's still going like really intrigues me and the fact that he kind of does it in real time, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, now it's the sun and the savage dragon and all that really intrigues me, too. But uh, to answer your question, though, I think I got through, like, the first 20 couple, like, 22, 23, somewhere in there. Okay. 20 so, couple. I like that. Yeah. Um, and so that's at all the pouches on Twitter or uh, that one's actually on my website, johnreadscomics.com. Um I thought about putting like everything I do on my website, but coming up with separate feeds on the same site ended up being kind of complicated. So uh, right. um, that's the only one that's at JohnReadsComics.com. Uh, and and you, when you hear this, I think it'll already be out. But as we're recording it, it's coming up on the 31st, October 31st, a three-episode launch, and then weekly episodes after that, Return to Cybertron, a Transformers UK podcast. And that is where I'm going through the Transformers comics that were published by Marvel UK and the cartoons that came out alongside them in the 1980s. So I'm kind of doing basically release order, more or less. So one of the things I love doing in my podcast is watching the unfolding development of a concept or a mythos or a franchise. Uh, That's kind of my move, I guess. Um, So, you know, the Transformers, their origin stories. And then the cool thing about the UK comics is that they were doing the reprints of the US, but they would make it through an entire issue every two weeks. And in the United States, they're coming out every month. So they will frequently 
pause the reprints and do a whole bunch of original Transformer stories that fit into the continuity. And then they'll go back okay. to U.S. reprints. So, so almost like like the extra pages, like in the classic X Men or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, okay. that's a really good cool. analogy. If you think of the X Men classic and the extra pages that were in, like you know, the, those first what? When did they stop doing extra pages on issue forty? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think I, I think extra pages stopped around like issue twenty or so, and then the backup stories kept going until issue forty one. Um, so yeah, it's like that, and that's going to be really fun. Also, talking about the cartoons. So eventually we'll do the movie and season three and then the Japanese series. And that's what I'm looking forward to getting back into because I actually have not seen all of those. Oh, wow. Uh, There are three seasons of the original Transformers that were uh, presented only in Japan. And you can get them with subtitles now on DVDs and stuff. So um, I'll be talking about those way down the road. But the, uh, the Transformers comics went all the way into the 1990s. And I plan. I've, I've mapped it all out. It looks like it's gonna be about a five-year journey, and wow. that's 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 my plan. Awesome. So that's at uh, tfukpodcast.com. Uh, there's a promo. There's some uh, episodes. Johnreadscomics.com for the image stuff. Makeoursmarvel.com for the uh, Marvel stuff. Or just search on your podcatcher. Any good podcatcher should have them. And catch me on Twitter. I am at johnreadscomics, and my. Um, my pinned tweet has links to all of this stuff as well as my tweet blog about the Scarlet Witch. Uh, I mentioned her earlier and uh, she is one of my favorite Marvel characters. Um, And I've been tweeting sort of analyzing her journey from the perspective of this being the narrative of a person's life. So it's not so much commenting on comics as it is exploring Wanda as a person in these stories. So yeah. Or kind of benchmarks along the way has been it's been fun to see. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that's going on over there, and I, I I really appreciate being able to come over here and talk to you all again, or talk to you again. Um, and looking forward to next time. Yeah, for sure. So um, for the podcast, I go snicked. Of course, uh, webpage is snickcast.podbean.com. You can like the Facebook page, Twitter is at snickcast. Um, really appreciate. Uh, the uptick in Facebook shares and retweets has definitely, I think, helped. Um, I've seen kind of a noticeable increase in, in episode exposure, so definitely appreciate all of that. Thank you very much to those of you who are doing it, and to those of you who are just listening, appreciate you as well. Um, just really enjoy being able to dialogue with different people and talk about all stuff Wolverine. So um, I think if I can keep everybody well and on schedule in the Venable household, um, the next episodes will be um, I'm going to get Ethan to, to do some more Absolute Carnage because he's really enjoying that. And then uh, we'll get with you at Scalabros to talk about the new uh, Dawn of X books. And then we'll have John back on in a few weeks, hopefully. So, um, and kind of continue our march towards Wolverine 50 and then have some other guests lined up for some of those other flashback episodes. And we'll keep trucking right along. And before you know it, it'll be 2020. Wow. Uh, wow. (laughs) That's the year my daughter graduates high school, Jason. Oh, my goodness. How's the the, uh, campus visits going? Have you all done any more of those? No, she pretty much knows where she wants to go. So she's she's applied, and now it's just a matter of getting acceptances and seeing who offers her money and everything else from there. So uh, she's... 
She's doing the whole senior thing. She's got her FAFSA application out there for for money. Yeah. And um and yeah, it's it's a whole thing right now. It's her senior year and <laughs> it's a weird feeling when your kid's a senior. Um it might be even extra weird when it's your daughter who's a senior. Right. Um but yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Very cool. Well, as always, uh, thanks for coming on, and um, we'll definitely do it again soon. Um, So for all you out there in listener land, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. And snacked.